Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. Welcome to Taking Care of Business. Uh, it's great to be back and a uh, wonderful Calgary morning. Uh, we do expect some snow in the next few days. However, today, Tuesday, is a wonderful day. Um, and, you know, talking about snow, my guest today is going to talk a lot about snow. Uh, my guest today, uh, Scott, Mr. Scott Hutchison, was my guest earlier this year on a very different matter. Uh, Scott is the chairman of Aspen Properties, and about seven or no, sorry, ten months ago in January, we discussed with him um, how does he plan for a new year, being an entrepreneur for so many years and being a successful real estate uh, company. Today, however, the topic, as I mentioned, is snow. And when I talk about snow, I talk the Winter Olympics. Uh, Scott is chairing the Calgary 2026 uh, bid for uh, the Winter Olympics in 2026. Uh, good morning, Scott, and thanks for being my guest. Good morning, sir. I, um, I'm thrilled to be back. <laughs> uh, don't make it a habit, though. <laughs> I want to have some other guests. Um, you know, uh, the Olympics got some bad reputation over the last few years, and as a result, uh, we see today that uh, not a lot of cities are bidding for the Olympics, and cities that bid, try to bid for the Olympics, there is a plus and a, a pluses and minuses, and we're going to discuss all this today um, for the simple reason that Calgary is going for a vote in uh, 14, sorry, 15 days from today, whether to host the 2026 Olympics or not. And the discussion is all over the city, all over the province, and I, I would suspect it also all over the country. And uh, with Scott's help today, uh, being the chair of the uh, bid, uh, we are going to kind of uh, try and explore uh, some of the information then and get people to get a little bit more knowledge and, and informed before they go to the polls and vote. So before we start diving into the Olympics, why? what's your background that they brought you to be chair of a Winter Olympic bid? Um, uh, first of all, I was a bit naive and they capitalized on that, David. Uh, no, seriously, I, I was uh, a young athlete and I skied for Canada. And then I was an NCAA uh, first team All-American NCAA championship team in the uh, in the 80s. So uh, skiing has given me an enormous amount of my education over the course of the years before I went back to school and before I became a businessman. And I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years in the city of Calgary. And I've been fortunate in what that business has, has given me. So I've been giving back in, in ways that, that I feel I owe to the community and in charitable boards, such as Own the Podium, uh, Windsport. Windsport runs the legacy facilities from Calgary 88. Uh, and I was co-chair of the Lake Louise World Cup for a number of years as well. So um, I've been involved in winter sport and programming of winter sport uh, as a uh, as a giver uh, for many years, um, as a result of the the education and what the sport uh, the sport of alpine skiing gave to me. Uh, on another kind of note, uh, on the business side, what are your qualifications to kind of 
you know, had spearhead this, I would say, financial debate that is going on. So uh, I went to Columbia University and did a, a, a real estate development master's degree. And then um, 20 years ago, I started my own company. And we've had uh, anywhere from, uh, you know, a smaller company that grew up to a, north of a billion dollars of assets in, in office buildings. And, uh, and I'm the CEO, I've been the CEO now, executive chair of that business. So on the business side, I've been, I've been in uh, a, a fairly uh, uh, interesting commercial world of, of office buildings for a long time. So you have the qualification from the business side, you have the passion for skiing, and, and you've been an athlete yourself. So, so that's where you say that you were naive and they kind of hooked you to be a chair of the BID community. Uh, absolutely. And, and to, to be a little more serious rather than naive, uh, <laughs> I am so grateful to represent uh, three orders of government, uh, the Canadian Olympic Committee, the town of Canmore, the indigenous community. Um, I've just been so fortunate to be able to represent our communities at large and, and our country in, uh, in this very interesting bid. Um, when were you appointed? June 6th. So share with us between June 6th and let's say uh, early October, what has the committee done? Or maybe maybe we should start, you know, how is the committee built? Well, like, sure. What is the stru structure of the committee? Sure. So we have um, three board members from the Canadian government, three board members from the provincial government, three board members from the city of uh, Calgary, all being appointed. So they aren't necessarily employees of any of those entities, but people that those entities would think would add value to the board. We also have three board members that are appointed by the Canadian Olympic Committee. We have uh, uh, some Indigenous community members, one member of the Canadian Paralympic Committee, and a member of the town of Canmore, and four members at large. I hope I haven't forgotten any of my great partners, but I think that's the number. My vice chair is Haley Wickenheiser, the, the best hockey player, female hockey player uh, in the world uh, historically. I have Dick Pound on the board, who's a very famous Canadian that, that has been instrumental in, in, in battling doping in the Olympic movement, a 41-year member of the International Olympic Committee, a man with uh, just a wonderful history in this world. The, the CEO of the Canadian Olympic Committee, Katrina LeMay-Done, uh, a great Canadian icon, uh, medalist from skating. Uh, a number of people, a wonderful uh, grand chief uh, little child uh, from the indigenous community. Uh, I think all those members are of, that, of this board are, are uh, Order of Canada members and serious board, really good background, some good members of the business community locally. And, and uh, so that's what constitutes the board. So from June to uh, beginning of October, um, what kind of, I would say, Research, exploring, what have you guys done in that period of time of the first three months of your kind of being appointed as a board? Yes. Um, well, our first job was to complete the work related to what's called the hosting plan and put all the budgets together that would allow us to be able to predict what the games would cost from an operational standpoint and what legacy assets would be needed for the games. And so that package had been worked on for six, eight months with um, 30 professionals. 
professionals that do this for bid committees uh, around the world, most of which came from Vancouver and worked on the Vancouver Games. And so, so, so they are hired yes, individual? Yes. Okay. As uh, consultants. Okay. And so that group and I worked on what we called the government submission book for the month of June. And at the end of the month of June, we gave, a, we gave the government, three orders of government, uh, a submission of a book called the government submission that said, here's where we want to host the games, here are the venues, here's the transportation plan, here's the costs for legacy, here's where, the, where, where each event would be held, here's where the medals would be celebrated, et cetera. And that book went in end of June, and then during the months of uh, July and August, uh, the three orders of government reviewed that with us, every line, and, uh, and they had teams of financial people. And then at the end of August, uh, they each brought in an accounting firm or a professional firm to do a review of that budget and say, is it reasonable or not? And, 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 uh, and when you say they brought, you mean the three level of governments? Thank you, yes. Okay. Yes. And, and then, uh, uh, so that was a big, big piece of work. From that piece of work, we take that information, get the hosting plan approved by, by our, our partners, and then we turn that information into what's referred to as the bid book for the IOC. And that, there's 100, and, I think 12 questions from the International Olympic Committee that say, how would you address this? How would you address culture? How would you integrate the themes and the vision of your Olympic Games? And that book then goes into the International Olympic Committee on January 10th or 11th of this coming year, and it's translated into many languages. In the interim between all of this, we, um, we, we, have, we have a plebiscite coming at us, and as you say, on November the 13th, and it's our job to get the story out to our community. I see. Um, I, I don't like. It. I told you a long time ago. I don't like the word plebiscite. It sounds like a disease to me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did. You, you sent me the definition of it. Yeah. And gave me four alternatives. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let's uh, use uh, one of the alter- alternatives. Um, okay. So you go. You kind of crunch the numbers. You you, you hire uh, outside uh, experts to crunch the numbers with you. People that have already the. Uh, experience working on other uh, uh, Olympic events or other events, generally speaking. And then the three levels of governments you mentioned that uh, kind of reviewed. What was the feedback you got from the government after the review, after all the questions were done? What, what was the feedback? Go for it. Don't go for it. Are we committed? Are we not committed? Thank you. Yes, uh, all the orders of government are completely committed to the plebiscite. And we've they have, they have funded this business with $30 million to explore, to go beyond exploration, to actually put together a responsible bid for the Olympic Games to the IOC. And that is uh, the, the, the city of uh, Calgary actually voted most recently on September the 13th to proceed after they'd reviewed the bid book. And uh, uh, so this bid is, has been through lots, we think thousands of questions written came back to us over the summer uh, uh, and, and we revised the bid accordingly and made sure that they, all my partners felt very comfortable. There's room in this bid. Uh, the, the total cost of the games will be $5.2 billion. Three of that is legacy. $3 billion of that is effectively legacy or longer term investment plus security. And, uh, and so, and in that, 
number, we have a billion dollars of contingencies. So very big number of possible overspends and, and, um, and, and dollars that I don't think we'll spend. I see. Uh, you mentioned in your answer that the three levels of government are committed to the plebiscite. However, are they committed to the games if the plebiscite comes as a positive, yes, let's do it, Calgarians, we can, we'll raise the flag? Yes. 50% plus one vote, and we proceed with our bid for the games. 50% less one vote of those people that show up and vote, and um, we will wind up our tent and uh, respect the wishes of the Calgarians. Okay, so the three levels of government are supportive if we get the 50 plus one. Yes, sir. I see. Now, we heard that, um, and I'll ask you, I don't know if you have the answer or you can share it with us uh, today, but we heard from the provincial government that they are committed to $700 million. We heard that uh, the IOC is committed for $925 million, and I think there is a mistake here, and correct me here. 925, is it Canadian or US dollars? US. Okay, the number that I see in the media is 925 without explaining that it's US. And your number 5.2 bill is in Canadian dollars, right? Yes, good question. This stuff happens sometimes in the media. It's not always, everything that we always read in, in the newspapers or the social media is not always true. So uh, I will go back. $925 million U.S. is the funding from the IOC. Call that in round figures, a billion to Canadian. Okay, plus seven. So any commitment yet from the federal, Canadian federal government? You know, I, I've been working with them all day today, uh, or in the last few days, uh, in fact. And uh, we've got a Canadian government that thinks the games are very important for Canada and will come out with their commitment along with the city commitment in the next few days. I see. So once we, we will have their response before the, the plebiscite, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> that, that will help, I, I guess. So basically, um, you said that 5.2 bill, 3 billion is, uh, you called it uh, uh, legacy. And security. And security. We have 1.2 and 700, it's 1.9. Uh, we're waiting for the federals, but let's say there will be a gap of two two billion between all the level of governments, IOC, and the final number. So where do we get the two billion? You are a quick study. So two point four billion dollars will come through the private sector. Sorry, two point two billion dollars will come through the private sector. Some of that is the one point two billion dollars from the IOC, and some of that is from uh, the, the remainder of that is through ticket sales, licensing, and such from the games itself locally, uh, as well as sponsorship. I see, and um, based on what? Based on Vancouver experience, uh, Sochi experience, you, you throw those numbers of uh, sponsorship? Um, yes, Vancouver did uh, about a billion dollars of ticket sales and, and revenue, and we're doing slightly above a billion dollars. We, in, flat, in fact, inflated Vancouver's numbers from 2010 uh, over the 16 years to 2026, we used a, an inflation factor of um, just under 1% per year, uh, just over 1% a year. So not even a, you know, a typical CPI inflation number. So in essence, in real dollars, we think that we'd sell something close or less that to sponsorship and ticket sales in Vancouver. So I think that's very conservative. I see. So basically from what I uh, 
hear from you and in your body language, it seems to me that you're very confident with the number $5.2 billion that the cost of the 2026 will be if Calgary hosts it. Yes, um, $5.4 billion. Sorry, $5.4. billion, absolutely. Okay, uh, Scott, I don't know if you know, but uh, in the media, we also need to do commercial break. So uh, we are going on a commercial break. Um, I will encourage our listeners to follow the uh, 2026 bid. And here is how you can follow it on Twitter uh, at YYC Games 2026. Hashtag together Calgary 2026. You can pr- probably log into all their social media. Other tags you have hashtag Calgary 2026. Hashtag Yes, Calgary 2026 and hashtag host 2026. We will be back immediately following the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now, there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back with my guest, Scott Hutchison, chair of the Calgary 2026 bid, uh, getting ready for the plebiscite vote, uh, poll, whatever you want to call it, referendum on November 13th. And uh, our goal here is to educate people before you uh, guys go to uh, ballot to cast your vote. Um, 
Scott, before we went into commercial, we talked about the budget. We talked about uh, who's contributing what. The IOC doesn't have the best reputation in the general public. And maybe they're trying. I would say that, you know, I follow sport. I'm not an athlete, as you can tell. But I follow sport. And they're trying in the last few years to kind of correct this. But still, there is a baggage here from previous Olympics, previous decisions. Um, aren't you aren't you concerned with the IOC and their reputation? And first of all, you look plenty athletic. To me. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the the IOC is a remarkable organization. They give three point two five million dollars a day to the sport community in order to use the power of sport to to set an example in the world. And there have been mistakes. Uh, we all make mistakes, but most of the, the mistakes and the issues that are related to the IOC are from years ago and legacy related to years ago. And it shouldn't undo some of the great work they do. And let me give you um, one or two examples of what I'm speaking to. In Pyeongchang, just recently in the Winter Games, the North Koreans and the South Koreans marched together in the opening ceremony. They played a hockey as one hockey team, and they marched together in the closing ceremony. And following the games, the North Korean and South Korean countries met for the first time in decades. That kind of work is the work that the IOC is doing through the Olympic movement, and and that's one of the great examples. But the, the examples that really struck me recently at a session in, in Buenos Aires with the IOC were women that came forward to talk about getting their voice through athletics and getting their voice through the Olympic movement that come from countries that, that an equality of women and gender is not present. And so one of the many great things that, that I think that the Olympic movement and, this, and the spirit of the Olympics does is it, it insists on peacefulness. And, and a, there's actually a peace truce during the Olympic Games and Paralympic Games that can be traced to show less violence during that time frame. There's equanimity related to both genders and, and, and colors and creed and religion and inclusivity and, and diversity and the promotion of those great human values that, that I have so much respect for. And I, I've certainly worked with the IOC for uh, close to six months and we meet either by phone or person to person. Uh, effectively every few weeks and and these are people I want to work with I see so they're correcting their uh, wrongdoing from the past yeah they, they are they are a new organization that insists on on uh, sustainability with the new projects and I can talk about that if you want and and the the, the value systems that Canadians actually uh, adhere to I see um, you know I want to talk with you one more about uh, some of the uh, things you mentioned earlier um, in terms of legacy. Um, so in terms of legacy, we know that Vancouver got the uh, train from the airport, mm -hmm. right, to downtown. Um, what are we going to get as legacy from mm -hmm. these games according to the budget you have? Yes. We have 11 venues of the 13 venues that we need, uh, that, sorry, that exist today. And we, in this community, in this valley, host more Winter World Cups than anywhere else in the world on a given year. Those 11 venues were built in for 1988, and they're old. 
sadly, they're in a position of, of being at the end of their useful life. So the, the first set of what I'm going to call goodies or legacy assets that we will have for another 30 to 40 years by investing in, in these assets is, is a refreshment to our ski, uh, our, sorry, our, a, a new ski trail. Uh, a new a refreshed lodge at the Alpine venue. We will have a refreshment done at the Nordic Center for cross-country skiers, a, uh, a, a redo of the plant for the Olympic Oval. We'll have a refreshment slash renovation redo at Windsport at the bottom of some of the Alpine and the, and the extreme and big air events. We will redo the Saddle Dome. We will redo McMahon Center. Uh, or McMahon's uh, stadium for football. So we will get a refresh or a redo, uh, an update uh, on our 11 assets. And that that is the first piece of the, of the great legacy. The second piece is we have $600 million in the budget to build uh, villages for our athletes. And of that, that's 2,700 uh, units that will be used after the village has been has been vacated and used in our community in social housing and low income housing and student housing and indigenous housing. So supplemented income in most cases, 20% of those houses will be sold at market. So that's a big deal to me in that our community is eighth of eight cities in Canada for accessibility to lower income housing. And, and that's a big program that, that I'm really in favor of. Um, you mentioned you kind of uh, threw a few venues. One of the venues you mentioned is the Saddle Dome, which is a sore point here in Calgary because it already created a big fight between our mayor and the, and the Flames. So are the Flames on board to having the Saddle Dome, uh, you know, refurbished? Well, right now, that's a that's an interesting piece of this whole story. The Flames in the city are negotiating to build a new arena. What I would assume in the next uh, eight years is that the Flames in our city will figure out how to do that new arena. And so we, in our model, we think there'll be a new arena, a new saddle dome, if you will. And then we will renovate slightly the old arena to give us another facility that's a fantastic world-class larger facility for the games. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, before we went on commercial that 5-2, you have enough money and for legacy, for contingency. Are you not afraid of any overrun cost with all those you know, facilities being upgraded, new arena, not new arena, smaller arena? Is there any chance of, or, or I would say, fear of overrun in our co- in the cost? To me, no. The, the, we've got a billion dollars in contingency of actually, it's a billion one, uh, and night, and most of that is going to uh, hard costs such as uh, the legacy assets, and that that um, the, you know that's effectively a 33% contingency on hard costs and. Uh, I'm in the business of owning office buildings and doing renovations and or building new office towers in the downtown. And I can tell you that that is a, an enormous amount of contingency. I would be very proud to hand off this Olympic bid to the hosting organization with that plan and expect that they will be able to come under budget. Um, let's talk. Uh, let's leave the money aside for, uh, for uh, a little bit and uh, talk about legacy. A legacy that is different than, than money. Um, 
from the 88 Olympics, uh, what do you think Eddie the Eagle will say? Should we host or should we not host? Well, Eddie did great in Calgary. <laughs> he is part of the legacy, and so is the Jamaica bobsled. When you say those names in our community, everybody gets a smile. And, and when you think about the Vancouver Games, people are still smiling about a hockey game where we won the gold medal at the end of the game. And, and if, you, if you talk to Calgarians about 88, nobody that was here or everybody that was here during those games would talk about 88 in a, in a wonderful way. And when you, you know, it's funny when you talk to Frank King, who brought us 88 and delivered on those games, he says that had he had to have a vote prior to 88, there's no way he would have had the games. So the legacy really is once you deliver a great games in, in Calgary or in Vancouver, the national spirit, the spirit of all Canadians, not just in the local community, but the, the, the warmth that it brings and the pride and, the, and, the, and the, the, the ability to bring a positive story to Canadians and bring them together and give them self-confidence about what they can do in the future. That's really the best legacy. It's harder to explain and it's harder to explain in, in advance of a games, but we know it from the two games that we've hosted, uh, two winter games that we've hosted in Canada. That's the heart of why we would do an Olympics. But you do have to also explain the head, mm -hmm. which is the numbers. So if we get to host, you're going to invite Eddie the Eagle and the Jamaican bobsled for the opening ceremony? That's a promise. <laughs> That's a promise. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I, I think that we just swung the vote for a yes by the majority of Calgarians. Um, by the way, did you watch the movie about Eddie the Eagle? I haven't. Uh, I watched I need it. To. It's a great movie for a flight. Maybe that's tonight. <laughs> I see. Um, you mentioned that you have on your uh, board a, a, a kind of cooperation with the indigenous people. Yes. So how are they involved and how, how supportive are they as Canadians, as, as, as a melting pot for, for Canada uh, to the Olympic bid? That's a that. Thank you for asking that question. For me, that's a really important piece of the games. We Canadians have some work to do with our Indigenous community, and and the truth piece of figuring out what we've done right and what we've done wrong, mostly wrong, with our community, our Indigenous peoples, is really important to to embrace as Canadians move forward in our culture, and and we see these games as an opportunity. First of all, to involve the Indigenous community in our bid right from the very beginning and learn from the, the Indigenous people uh, what we can do better as a, as a, as a, a bid and B, uh, integrate truth and reconciliation and a program uh, that shows the world how we as a, as a country can make our country better as we move forward. So uh, we have some, we have three Indigenous people on the board and they're, they're wisdom and their culture and their direction for me has been one of the great pleasures of where I've um, of what I've been learning about I see and um, any kind of uh, I would say other groups that you can identify that support the uh, the the bid but they are quiet Oh sure, we we um, we have a big group of the downtown community that want to come out next week as soon as the funding model has been been uh, announced. Uh, we have we're, we're getting a lot of support from the Paralympic community, 
And uh, and sorry, I forgot to mention, but we do have support from from the indigenous community, and they've they've uh, press released that with us. Uh, and and just generally, you know, I think um, our job in this bid is to bring forth what a Canadian represents, what a can, new Canadian represents today, who we are in in terms of our example as a community that embraces. Uh, diversity and inclusion and so we've done that both on the board in terms of the mix of the community and we hope to do that in a very Canadian way uh, for the Olympic movement. You mentioned in one of your answers um, and I can't remember his full name Frank that was King King yes um, that he said if he had to go through a vote he would not host the Calgary would not host the 88. Why does why did it become so politically kind of you know, games, a political decision, I would say. Why did we have to go through a vote? It's daunting. The games are very daunting. The, 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 the thought of putting on this big a show with this many events and the expense that goes, the investment that goes in uh, in advance of, of, of the, the event, it, it, it's a very daunting task. And the community today has to get the courage and the heart into the games to be able to embrace it. And, uh, and so Frank King would say that the media was not on his side. And, and frankly, I'm finding the traditional media in Calgary has not been very helpful as well. And he would say that the, the community wanted more information than he was able to provide on a timely basis. And he would say that, uh, to have the courage to go forward before the games for most people is challenging. And and uh, and he knew that then. I was surprised to read that in his book re- or in, in some of his documents recently. Uh, they, did, they also didn't believe he could deliver on time or on budget, which he did and, and Calgary did, not him, but the, the games did. And in fact, there was a legacy of um, of a surplus left over the game after the games, that uh, that was left behind in an organization called CODA or the Calgary Olympic Development Association that's now known as Windsport. So, the trend that I'm seeing today is not dissimilar to what Frank King uh, went through without a referendum or a plebiscite. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's '88. Um, I'm sure you spoke with the people that ran 20, uh, 2010 in Vancouver. What what is their feedback? Mr. John Furlong is this remarkable man that was involved in the games right from the very beginning of the bid. And Jack Poole was his chair. And Jack Poole died before the games actually were hosted. And John became both the CEO and the chair of the board for the 2010 uh, Vancouver Games. I talked to John either through text, email, or by phone several times a week. He's a great mentor to me uh, in terms of his example of what a value system looks like. He's been a a, a remarkable uh, man in the Olympic movement. He uh, is partially responsible for the the great uh, games that that Vancouver delivered. And I learn a lesson from him every week. He gives me tips. He gives me pointers. He's been uh, he's been remarkably kind to me with his time and his wisdom. 
Scott, we have to take the second commercial break. You know, our engineer is, is pressing. Um, I want to remind our listeners again to uh, follow uh, hashtag TogetherCalgary2026. Uh, that's the main tag for a uh, topic across the social media or uh, hashtag, oh, sorry, at, at YYCGames2026 on Twitter. And we will be back shortly after the commercial. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D I V I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with my guest, uh, Scott Hutchison, chair of the uh, Bid for Calgary 2026, hosting the Winter Olympics. Uh, and Scott, this is the final segment of today's show. Um, again, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing all this information before the plebiscite um, that is going to happen in uh, 14 days. Um, one of the answers you gave before the the commercials, uh, you said that the traditional media is not supportive. Um, is it fake news or is it just uh, they don't want to support you or, the, or not you personally? I mean, uh, they don't want to support the bid. They don't want to support the committee. They don't want they're, they're looking for the news that sell the no guys. 
So it's a, it's an interesting time. I mean, I, I, there are some amazing journalists out there, and I don't want to paint the brush of, of poor us, but what we are finding is that that I don't think we're getting balanced reporting. I think that that there's the traditional media has not been fair to this story. And by the way, there's been some great journalists with some very good stories. But the traditional media today, in my personal view, is looking for more of a story than the story itself. And it is slanted, uh, in my view, as an optimist in life, to more of a negative story than a positive story. And for me, that's disappointing. So we're getting out, we're talking uh, a lot more uh, face-to-face and doing big presentations. And we've got lots of athletes going out and doing the circuit today. And and Mary Marianne, our very capable CEO, and myself, and we're talking face-to-face. And then there's no filter on the story. The social media thing, I'm just of the view today that that so much of the time on social media uh, is taken up by negativity. The tweets are, are more negative than not. And, and unfortunately, um, I, you know, I, I don't know why it has to be that way. I, I, I would like to see more positivity on our, in our planet. Um, you know, as you said, you're going, uh, you're going out there and, and you're a Calgarian and your, your office is in Calgary and, and, and I'm sure that uh, you have a lot of friends here. When you talk to the person on the street, what is the feedback you get? Because Calgary, I wasn't here in 88. Um, but the one thing, the legacy I got other than Andy the Eagle and the Jamaican Bobs, that just because of the movies, by the way, is that volunteering was the number one thing that happened in 88 and set the record for the entire Olympic, uh, I would say, movement on how to run uh, uh, games with volunteers. So what is this Joe Schmo on the street tells you? We Calgarians love volunteering, and I want that credit to go over 100 years ago, back in time to our Calgary Stampede. Today we have 2,700 volunteers at the Calgary Stampede, and there's a lineup to assist with the with the Stampede. It's a beautiful piece of the DNA of our of our city, and and in fact our province. Calgarians hosted in '88 with more volunteers than it ever had before in Olympic. And that's a piece of who we are. When we had a flood, in, when we have fires, when we have adversity in this community, we come together it, like no other community. And I think that's when we work our best work magic. And so that is really a, a big reason why uh, the legacy of 88 was a big deal. Do, do you get people to say, uh, I'll volunteer if we host a game? Oh my gosh, I've got so many. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> I see. Um, in the uh, last few days, uh, now that we, after we kind of agreed on a date that we'll interview you, uh, I did some research and I went through social media and paper and I see, I see support. I see support. Um, I would say I, I see more support on the CEO level, uh, upper management. Some of it is supportive, but, you know, with, with their caveats. Um, what, what do you see in terms of support that you get from the business community? And what is the support you get from the, I would say, everybody else? Sure. The business community is in favor of us putting forward an Olympic bid. And you can feel that in the downtown of Calgary. The, the, as, you, as you move further away from business, we haven't got our message out. And shame on me. 
We have not get the, got, to me, we haven't simplified a message for the average Calgarian. And that message should, should be around the heart. Uh, we all, we, and, the, and let me go into that. That's about digging in, having pride in our community, uh, hosting a games as volunteers and bringing our nation together and building the spirit of our country and building our pride and our self-confidence. And that's what the games could be as the most lasting legacy for our community. And we're good at that. We're, it's in our DNA. And I hope we get behind the games for that reason in itself. Uh, it's it's that's a very, really exciting piece of information for me. But let me tell let me say something, David. At the end of the day, if a, if a, a listener today or anybody on the Olympic uh, story, a voter, is sitting there, they have to decide. And I would challenge everyone today to decide what's in it for me. What will the games do for me personally? Not the community, not Canada even. Start with, later get to those other bigger issues. Start with, what do the games offer me? How, how can I see myself in the games? Is it, is it as a volunteer with the coat? Somebody told me that the other day. Or is it, is it in the cultural Olympiad, which happens four years before the games with millions of people uh, entertained by the culture and that precedes the game and excitement? Um, is it, is it, is it, would, would hosting the games just change the community's conversation today in, a, in an economy that's been beaten up? Or is it the 20,000 to 40,000 jobs that we know the games will, that Vancouver had 43,000 job years created? Is it those jobs that the taxi cab driver and the everyday community member could have? Is it that that would, would, would change, a, a, would make somebody decide that they want to be part of the games? There are, there, are, there are a number of reasons related to arts, culture, national spirit, um, economic impact, volunteerism. What is in it for you? I challenge the community to ask themselves that question. Um, I have to ask you one question. You, you mentioned uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the naysayer on social media. Um, and um, from what I understand from our research is that the naysayers hired someone professional to do the no, the no kind of a campaign. Uh, the guy who ran No Boston, and he followed you or chased you all the way to Buenos Aires. <laughs> so, so there's a there's a gentleman in in Boston that that uh, uh, has made uh, his career uh, his his name at least. I'm not sure whether a career, but he's certainly made a name for himself uh, by by poo pooing the the Boston Games uh, Summer Olympic bid a few years ago. And then uh, writing a couple books, and now uh, finding ways to try and oppose uh, Olympic Games. Uh, certainly, uh, this one as well around the world. And he has a formula, and I know that he's uh, been quite associated with uh, the No folks here in Calgary. I know that uh, it's some days from now he's he's actually going to be trying to give Calgarians a, advice from Boston. Uh, about why not to do the games, and unfortunately, uh, he has some 
some stories that he tells, one of which he says that all the games have been cost overruns, which is not true. We, we know from, from facts uh, and from figures and that, that Calgary wasn't and that Vancouver wasn't. And, and he tends to um, tell some stories that, that I would differ with him on. And uh, um, anyway, this is a, a way that he uh, um, uh, spends part of his time and creates a name uh, for himself, and, and, and he certainly allowed his views, but but some of them I, I do not agree with. So you mentioned that in your budget you have contingencies, right? Yes, sir. So you can pay him to do the no Stockholm and no Italy and leave us alone. <laughs> pay more than the guys that are paying him right now. He's a hired gun, basically. Yes. I see. So he has no clue about what's going on in Calgary economically. He doesn't know anything about legacy. He's just a hired gun saying no. I want to agree with you. Finally. <laughs> uh, Scott, we're getting kind of to the end of uh, today's show, and I want to go back to uh, the different legacies because that's, I think, the most important message is, yeah, what happens after the 20 days and the 20 days, or I don't know exactly how long the Paralympics are, but, you know, it's between 20 days and 12 days. And, and I want to go about, first of all, the social kind of legacies and opportunities that the games will bring us. Sure. And if I could just go back to, to the last yeah. the last issue, I don't want to damn anybody for their career, for their opinions. And um, uh, I do. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I told you a long time ago that my show is not politically correct. It's about being saying the facts and, and being and taking action. And thank you for that leadership. It's very important. Uh, your question was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My question was. Sorry. What is the social legacy that the game? I, I'm going to go now and talk about the legacies of the game beyond the 20 days. Yes. Good. Thank you. Uh, le- legacy that that will last is the story of our indigenous community, the story of of our community and how it tells the Canadian story. Um, it is, it's really about the 30 years after. It's about inclusion and accessibility. And, and what is the healthy example of how to be uh, not just an athlete, but how to use recreation in our, in our community with recreational facilities that we've updated? And how do we as Canadians stay healthy? Reputationally, there, we, we know that there's about a billion dollars of marketing that will come to Calgary uh, by hosting the games. And what, what could that do for Calgarians to tell our story to the world when we're in a tough place right now and we've got uh, high unemployment and we are, it's a very difficult time for us to attract the new generations of talent that we're going to need to build a digital community. So that billion dollars of advertising could be a big piece of our legacy going forward, as well as some of the the value systems that we want to put front and center, like clean sport. I see, and and those are the, the, I would say, the spiritual, social um, that you mentioned, and then your... Earlier, you kind of mentioned the infrastructure that uh, legacy that we'll have. But I have a question for you. Um, as we, we mentioned in the previous uh, session, uh, session, is that the, um, for example, the saddle dome needs money. Uh, some of the facilities are old. If we don't host the game, will we get this money from the government to if, do that? If we don't host the games, that money is not coming here. 
If we don't host the games, the federal government will not invest north of a billion dollars, and the province will not invest $700 million that they've committed. Those monies will not come here. They will go elsewhere. And that magnitude is about $4.4 billion between the private sector and the government investment. And we need that infusion into our country right now, into our community and into our cities. Uh, We're about uh, just over three minutes before the end of the show, Scott. And my question is, okay, the the morning of October 14th, sorry, November 14th, Let's say it's a yes. Let's hope that it's a yes. What is the next step? Well, first of all, we'll be really excited at Calgary 2026. I'm a volunteer and I've been working hard on this project because I believe it's the right thing for our country and for our province and for our city. But we'll wake up on the 14th and we'll get back to work. On the uh, At the end of the month, we present our story in Tokyo to the International Olympic Committee's uh, subcommittee of the IOC. And then in uh, January, we will submit the bid book to the IOC in multiple languages. And then in April or May, we will present to another IOC subcommittee uh, our story in Australia. And June 25th would be the final presentation to the full session of the International Olympic Committee, of which there's 105 or 106 members of. And we would hope that we present the right vision and the right story for these games for a vote of a certain percentage of those 105 people to host in 2026. Uh, Who are our competitors? Today, Sweden and Italy. And Italy has a uh, two-community vote, uh, sorry, uh, host. And uh, Sweden is Stockholm. um, So the rumors that uh, Sweden is out are not true? Correct. That was a rumor. Sweden's very much a competitive uh, bid, and and we think they're a great bid, and we also know that that Italy will be too. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott, what is to conclude this interview? What is the one message or two message you want to send to everybody that has to make a decision November thirteenth how to vote? Please listen to real news. Please get educated. Please go to the website. Take a look. What is the website? Uh, sorry, the web, the, the, the Calgary 2026 host site. Uh, uh, go to uh, uh, um, hashtag Calgary 2026. Please get educated in what the games are. And at the end of the day, ask yourself, what's in the games for me? How can I see myself in the games? Turn out and vote on November 13th. And if you want to know how to vote, just go to the Calgary, City of Calgary website and punch in vote, and you can figure that out pretty quickly. And if you're not around on November 13th, you can pre-register to vote right now. It's really important that we get out and express our own opinions and get engaged in this uh, very exciting opportunity for our community, our province, and our country. Thank you, Scott, and uh, I wish you all the best and success. I wish ourselves all the best and success. We need it as a city, and I'm definitely supportive of uh, the bid. Uh, thank you to our listeners today. Uh, again, uh, hashtag Together Calgary 2026, and we will be back with you next Tuesday, November 6th, talking about social media for entrepreneurs. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.